This is The Spiel, a show about games and the people who love them. Episode 2. Episode 2 of The Spiel, a regular podcast about games and the people who love them. Uh, my name is Stephen Conway. And, and I'm David Colson. And we are your resident game experts. We are here to, to show you how, how to have fun with the greatest variety of games that are either in your closet or should be in your closet. Should be, <laughs> Game news and notes. We like to start each new episode with a little segment called uh, News and Notes, where we go over uh, games we're salivating over, or, or if there's any breaking news that we've heard of, or rumors or things in the game world. So uh, there are a couple things that have caught our eye this time. More than we can mention. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, actually, <laughs> we actually have to limit it to, uh, to just two, otherwise the whole podcast exactly. would be about All the, the games. exciting new stuff that we've heard about. <laughs> Um, so, Dave, I'll let you go first. Okay, I'll go. F- um, the new thing that I've heard about is a new game called Rum and Pirates, or it could be called And a Bottle of Rum. It's um, it's an Aaliyah game that Rio Grande is putting out, um, and it looks like Rio Grande is going to call it And a Bottle of Rum. The box art that we've seen online, yeah. it, that's what it's called. Even though on several websites and other places it's being listed as Rum and Pirates. Mm-hmm. And it looks like the German title is For Rum and Renown or For Rum and Honor, which actually is a better title than And, and a, a Bottle, bottle of, of Rum. rum. Yeah. But we'll leave that up. We, to... <laughs> we don't make those decisions. Exactly. <laughs> but things that are exciting about that are... Um, it's a pirate game, first yeah, of all. We're both Hello. we're both suckers for pirate games. <laughs> How can you not want that game? Yeah. Plus, it comes with seventy six plastic pirates. I Hello. mean <laughs> Exactly. That would qualify for the truckload of goober yeah. <laughs> segment. Exactly. That will have a special place on my shelf just because of that. But the other cool thing is that um, this is an Aaliyah game. It looks if I had to guess, I would say it's gonna be in the same um, series as the Chinatown and Ra and Adolf Erflichtet and all those. Yeah, just as an aside, Aaliyah is a German game company that tends to put out games in series. It's, they're not really, I don't even know how they're linked other than size of box. Right. But they all, I mean, <laughs> it's such a weird thing, but they all seem to be of sort of a similar... They lead you to believe that they're attached mechanically. They, they all share a mechanic, but we've broken you know, yeah. that particular... But they all tend to be good. They're all good games in the series. That, awesome. That's the thing yeah. that always seems to hold true is they're always good games. <laughs> right. And this one gets, um, on their scale, they're rating it a two difficulty, which seems like disgustingly easy. But when you look at some of the other games in yeah. that series that have been rated a two, like Chinatown, if you're familiar with that, <laughs> or um, Eidelstein and Reich. Yeah. Actually, good, some good, strat- good yeah. level strategy. So 
That's exciting. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, and it's actually due out. this. Um, by the time this podcast probably hits the web, it may, in fact, already be out. It's due, according to the websites that we've yep. looked at, the release date is April of 06. We're recording this end of March, beginning of April of 06. So, yeah, so it, it should it, be out in no time. And like we say, we're not sure which series it's going to be attached to, but if we had to guess, probably number 10 in the big box. Yeah. Yeah. Um, simply because of its price, but yeah. you never know. I've also it's um, going to retail for what forty forty. Yeah, but you can probably buy yeah. it online for twenty five. The the other thing is the reason why I'm waffling on the um, big box thing is because I'm not so sure that this might not be a new size. Oh really? Possibility that it's a quasi big box. I don't I don't know. We'll find out. Do they they have three sizes? They have like, three sizes right now. But when I saw it. Compared to some of the other sizes, it almost looked in between the medium and the big. Is Puerto Rico in that series, or is that Puerto, yeah? Puerto Rico's in the big box because it kind of the, just the the Rio Grande box we saw with the end, the bottle of rum, kind of looked uh, like it was similar well, got, in style and design to the with the graphics. They bottle. have that little square on yeah. it on all sizes, and it makes it if you don't see it in relationship to something I else, guess you, that's true. you have no I guess clue. That's true. Yeah, but so that would be my exciting. Yeah, pick for, of you know new stuff to look for. We'll have to put that on the, the pirate party list for next oh, year. Exactly. <laughs> we'll we'll get into that at yeah. a later date. Um, what do you have over there? I've got uh, two. I'm I'm going for the double dip here, but they're both expansions to an awesome game that just came out last year. It's actually a sort of reimagining of a classic older game called Arkham Horror. Um, it was re re released by Fantasy Flight with some small tweaks to the rules. A much different board, um, right. ha- much higher co- quality components. Um, it's basically a horror-themed 1920s uh, board game based on the literary works of H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, he wrote The Call of Cthulhu and many, many other sort of very weird and strange stories <laughs> in the 1920s. Uh, but there's an expansion that's just cards coming out called The Curse of the Dark Pharaoh, which is like 156 new cards. Uh, I've seen some of the art, the artwork for that. Yeah. That looks really cool, too. Basically, adding a few cards to each of the different decks of cards that are in the game. Um, it's an awesome game to begin with, and only adding to it will, will right. make it even better. If, if nobody's um, familiar with that, the cool thing about that is that it's cooperative. Yeah, I guess I should have mentioned that. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, a lot of people are very anti that, but almost nobody should be yeah i mean it yeah. is it's great to work you know with your you know fellow players against the game and just try and beat it down and it's not it's almost impossible yeah <laughs> that, that's the, the the most interesting thing about those kinds of games is it's really you, there is still competition and it, it is everyone sitting at the table against the game rather than you playing against your fellow players and the game is it's meant to be hard it should be you should feel like you've accomplished something if you manage to win it. It shouldn't just be a walk through the park. So right. it, it really kind of goes back to the core of why we play games in that, you know, you can get your butt kicked by that game and, and have Arkham doomed for right. yeah. <laughs> for all eternity with and monsters all over the board. And that makes you want to keep coming back more and more. Yeah, you know it mean? definitely makes you want to play more. Um, so that's the first one. I think it's going to retail for around 20 And I, yep. they say spring, summer, knowing Fantasy Flight <laughs> is probably going to be spring summer fall so i wouldn't count my chickens just yet for 
you know, if you're going to rush right out and right. pre-order it, it's probably going to be a little while. But if you've got the original and you've played it, you know how much you probably want any yeah. expansion. Yeah, that... it's it's one that's worth having. In addition to the cards, this summer slash fall, they have an add-on board and more cards and more investigators to the game um, called The Dunwich Horror, which is based on another one of H.P. Lovecraft's short stories that sort of tied in. Most of them take place in Arkham, Massachusetts, which is the town that the basic game comes on. And then this Dunwich uh, horror adds a villa, the village of Dunwich as a separate board, extra investigators, extra cards. Can't wait. It should huh. be really cool. I and can't imagine it not opening up whole new ways of playing the game, I think, from what I've read. And to me it fixes, I mean, as much as we love the game, if there was a weakness... And the original game comes with tons of stuff. Oh, yeah. But if you visit the same place on the board more than once, it might start getting repetitive, you know, because I think there was only like maybe eight cards per. I think there's little, more than that. Little, little um, for each section yeah. that you go to. And but, there, but it is limited. It is limited. Right. With this, I mean, you're going to have the replayability. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to increase even more. It's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's those are two that I'm definitely are on my list of, of games to. Look forward to and save my pennies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's news and notes for this week. The list. Every episode, um, our goal is we have a, a an ever-growing <laughs> list of games that, that we purchase, and we are trying, like hell, to <laughs> play them down to zero so that we can say that every game game that we own we've played at least once it's it's sort of like having too many books it's never really exactly. a bad thing <laughs> i think last uh in the last episode we were under 70 yeah and what's the count this week with this episode we the game we played tonight being off the list we're back down to 70 <laughs> <laughs> well we're we're <laughs> almost holding our own i guess that counts for so, something so we've only gained a couple so that's not too bad <laughs> It's really not a bad problem to have, but you know it's good to have goals. <laughs> uh, we'll probably be drawing social security before we <laughs> right, <laughs> even exactly. get it close to the end, but but that's okay. Um, so, uh, without further ado, this week's uh, game is we played Louis the Fourteenth, which has been out for a year, maybe not quite a year. Yeah. It's um, um, a game by Leah, and it's in their Medium Box series, which um, it was a new series that was started last year. And this is, in fact, uh, game this is number game, one, This right? is game number one. It started the series. And um, game number two, I'm um, trying to remember. We were talking about that earlier. Palazzo. Palazzo, yeah. That right. Rain, Rain, Rainer Canizia. That's a Rainer Canizia thing. Um, that's number two. But getting back to this game, um, Louis XIV. Um, let's see. The publisher is Aaliyah. The German publisher is, is Aaliyah. And the... Um, American distributor is Rio Grande. Um, I believe this game is, let me check, two to four players, um, ages 12 and up, and they say 75 to 100 minutes, which is, yeah. I think that's, I think fair, because I think once you know the game, it's, it's the whole game plays in four turns, yeah. and once you know what you're doing, it's going to be fast, but um, the author is uh, Rudiger Dorn who has, if you're familiar with the game um, Jambo and Goa, you those might. Are, those are awesome games. Excellent games. Certainly aren't the only games that he's ever done, but at the top of the list, those are great games. Some other things that he's done is uh, 
emerald and gargon. Gargon, yeah, yeah, those are kind right. of on the lighter little, side. Little lighter, but um, emerald. I, f- I remember that being pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. Gargon, I'm not so sure. I was about. not a big fan of gargon. I would be willing to give it another chance. I haven't played it in quite a while, but I thought there were other games that were. Yeah, better definitely. in that kind of category, but he's he's hit his stride oh, with, with Goa with, and now yeah. with this one, I would yeah, say. Yeah, those um, Jambo Goa, and Jambo. And Jambo one, is a two-player, two-player in the Cosmos of series of games, it's in the right? Co- exactly. Um, which are excellent two-player games. We'll definitely cover those in in greater detail in in future episodes. Um, but he he has a good resume, I guess, is what we're saying. <laughs> exactly. So that's pretty much all the the technical gunk of the game. Um, now I'll let, turn it over to Stephen and let him give you a little. So this is the this is the synopsis, and I'm reading from the box. This is sort of the the flavor text from the back. Uh, this gives you an idea of sort of the theme of the game. So slip on the role of clever court attendant and try your luck in the court of Louis Fort, the Fourteenth. Influence his next decrees. Relax in his radiance on his countless cushions. Bribe ministers and buy generals. Spin intrigue and spread your net in the empire of the Sun King. Every plan is right, if it works. A careful plan and provident use of information gained in the court can help you fulfill your mission and win the game. So, how does that translate <laughs> into a board game, Dave? Uh, we can talk. Let's talk about the mechanics of of the game. It definitely has the whole height of the the French monarchy oh. uh, element going for it. Yep. In terms, of you've got the, all the different characters in his court represented on. A specific um, game space, and mechanically, I would have to say that it's definitely influence based. Yes. Um, you've got you start off with the X number of little influence tokens, and every turn you're playing cards that allow you to um, place these tokens on different members of um, his court. His court, and um, you have what I think four rounds in yeah. which you're playing. Uh, influence tokens on there and then at, at when you're done with that you're going to move to a scoring round whoever has the most influence on this space will gain tokens that do this or that and also give you abilities for next turn when you go to place the, there's the abilities you get that are sort of they're kind of like rules breakers in that right. you can you'll be able to do things as the game progresses that other players other, won't be able to do and likewise they'll have things that they can do that you won't be able to do that and we found some are uh a little more useful than others, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. Um, to me, I think one of the the cool things about the mechanic is the way um, the board is set up with the their tiles representing the right. dif- the different members of the nobility, and it's sort of the people that are in the inner circle with the king. That's where the king is going to travel to. There's a little Louis the Fourteenth token, right? Um, who moves around to those, but there's sort of a second ring of influence that are sort of the minor nobles that right. are kind of on the outside and you it's one of those games where you can't you don't want to put all your eggs into one basket you want to try to spread your influence out across the board as much as you possibly can because there are all kinds of different favors that you can get from the different nobles that can weigh into right and then those favors turn into your ability to complete your missions and actually get those rule breakers. Yeah, I guess when it boils right down to it, the missions are the, the sort of heart of the game. It's a scoring-based game with right. influence. Victory points, right. Um, and the, the missions are how you score most of the points. There are little cards that tell you you have to get certain kinds of tokens, and you get those tokens by gaining favor with the different right. kinds yeah. of nobles. Then and they use... aren't always the most powerful right. nobles you that have, you need the yeah. tokens for. You from. have to visit everybody and 
get a little bit of something from everybody or you're not going to be able to complete any missions and those are the big each completed mission is five victory points yeah and as we found out today see <laughs> dinner of the game we had anywhere between four and six right um, missions missions completed, completed by yes, the end, by yes. the end of the game, which is a pretty and, big swing of you know twenty to thirty points. Yeah, you know that really you really have to focus on trying to do the missions. If you don't, you're going to get dusted in this right. game pretty and quickly. The, um, even though the um, even though the spaces are on tiles, um, they don't they're they're set up the same way every time. So mm -hmm. it's not the board's not going to vary. But what's neat is. Um, every turn that you finish a space, it has a flip side. Yeah, that's really and cool, actually. If you f if you actually complete one of the spaces, then it'll flip. If not, it won't. So you might have every time you play, you might have some spaces that are flipped to their B side, and some that are still on their A side. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a different experience. So yeah. it, it kind of is modular, even though it really doesn't. Yeah. You know, move around. And the, the tiles are set up, I guess, in a checkerboard pattern. So mm -hmm. they're sort of di you you move diagonally. You can move your pieces sort of diagonally. That to me, that's kind of one of the most interesting things I I wanted to bring up is how he's kind of integrated some game mechanics from other games. The the two that pop to my head immediately are um, El Grande has there you have your little wooden tokens that you mm -hmm. put on the board but they're sort of you have two different piles and the heart of the game comes down to how you're able to move tokens between the two piles and it seems like it's not like a copycat I mean, no yeah you're, you're but I it mean, has the same it, you can see how that game mechanic might have influenced him. you have to manage your two different pools of influence tokens they go from a general pool into a pool right in front of you that you actually have that you can put on the board. Yeah, that you can put on the board, so you can't. You just don't have access to everything all at one time. And then, once the tokens are out there on the board, and you've won something on the board, they go to that first pool, and then once again they have to go from that pool to your pool, so they can then go back out to the board. Which, <laughs> if you're bad like me, you get halfway through the game, and you're like. Oh crap! All my pieces are on the board, and I'm not going to have the pieces. I next don't turn. think it has anything to do with being bad. I think you and Jason just beat the hell out of <laughs> each true, other. That's true. That's <laughs> true. We uh, we had mutually assured destruction about halfway through the game. Um, the other mechanic that I thought was kind of interesting was there's a little element of Moncala in that how you pick up your pieces and you're putting them on the board. Right. In that. Um, you pick up, you can put as many as three on the board, and you can drop all three in one place, or you can pick up some of those as long as you leave one in the spot right. where you came from, and you can just plunk, like sewing those, plunk, sewing uh, the stones in Moncala. Yeah, yeah, which I mean, I've never. It's weird to see something that sort of basic in an ancient old strategy game right. being applied to a way more complex out there game. That that it's just a really he it's a thumbs up for yeah. me for finding a way to work in that kind of cool mechanic into a uh, this newer type game. It is. I think it's a cross between. I bet you one of the reasons why he felt he had to do that was because you are the where you can place your influence tokens are based on the cards you draw. Yeah. And he didn't want it to be that luck based. Yeah. So you can maybe not quite get the cards you want, but still you can get the tokens to the spaces that you need. Yeah. Which is just really cool. Yeah. Um, so what what overall what were your impressions? What did you like about the game? What did you not like about it? We'll start with what you liked about it. I would say what I really liked about it is on our very first turn, two cards into the game, we were already going, Ugh, how can you possibly be going for the same space that I'm going for? <laughs> so the player interaction was evident from 
the very beginning of turn one. It didn't take a turn to build up or anything. I think Jason and I were yelling at each other from yeah from yeah. the get go. <laughs> and be, since you're vying in some spaces, only one person is going to get something. Yeah, you know, and some, in some places you it's sort of a shared victory. Right, if everybody's you're, there's a gonna, first, second, third, or everybody can do something. In other places, it's winner take all. <laughs> so I, I say thumbs up for interaction. I mean, from the get go. I mean, the, yeah, the whole game you're just going to and be, throughout the game, you know, yeah, it, exactly. It, it, it doesn't through. doesn't flag at all. You're going to be interacting yeah. strongly with everybody the whole time. That was and that's a hoot. <laughs> yeah, I think How about I, you. Um, I think I would totally agree with that. I think there's a really good amount of interaction, and there were definitely points where I was like, well, this strategy will work as long as he doesn't have that one card and doesn't come my way. And of course, every time. You had somebody horning in on your influence where you thought, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm guaranteed to have a, a good spot there. I thought just the way for being – it was a little hard to grasp sort of the, the flow of the game to begin with, which is not necessarily a knock on the game. No. But the interesting thing to me is it's a very fast game, actually. There's only four rounds to the game. And having only played it once, I really sucked at it when I pl played it through. But the interesting thing is that I think I could play. Not only would I play like better, better, which is often right. the case, but it goes so quickly. It that, seems like I mean, it would you go could really. I, I would say, gosh, you could play in less than an hour yeah, easily when, yep. once you've played um, once or twice, even with this. And to me, that's really cool to have a game of that depth, that it, complexity, and that much interaction. And have it be that you can done that like quick. that. Right. Um, there, there are not very many games that fall into that no. category. Usually, for that level of complexity, you're in for at least two hours. A couple, right? Um, which, to me, that's that's a big plus. Um, and everything, on, everything is well. Once you play through it once, there's all these symbols and everything on the cards and on the board pieces that all just make a lot of sense. And you mm -hmm. don't need the rules once you're comfortable yeah. with those. The the graphic design and the the overall look of the game is very, it's it makes sense with yep. the the rules once you kind of get the basic concept of the game. There's no that doesn't trip you up at all. Nope. I think the art's nice too. I think the oh the, yeah I, the historical sort of portraits of the different actual historical people who yeah, were influencing. Yeah, exactly. For people who aren't familiar with those people, the rule in the back, they have a, a short synopsis of each character. Oh, that's a, cool. A little historical biography of oh, I didn't know each that. character that's really cool. <laughs> that I didn't have time to read, but it's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you could do that on a later day. I could right. see this being really an interesting play for uh, classroom use. Oh, um, and you definitely. use it as a teaching tool for the, the historical aspect and... The, the math aspect and the sort of management right. aspect of your resources. I mean, we're game nerds to the <laughs> point that, I mean, I, I think so many board games and stuff are so, so you know, quote-unquote educational, yeah. but they're in the sneakiest kind of way. Exactly. A lot of these games, you know, you could throw down in any kind of classroom and... Man, you you learn without really realizing you're learning. <laughs> I would have killed for a teacher to break out something like this. Yeah, you know, when I was in elementary, junior high, or something, you know, that it would have spurred me mm -hmm. to learn a lot that more, be a actually, lot earlier. That's that'd be kind of a cool project to put up on the web. Would be to put like a a list of good classroom games or something to put, you know, games that I would know be that, good for um, different levels of of schools that you know. Are not Monopoly or right. stupid. Yeah, exactly. You know, I have nothing against Monopoly. I mean, you know, it, exactly. you can play it, but there are plenty of games that are better. Right. <laughs> you could fit there. So many. There's games that have um, so many different themes. I guarantee, if you're a history teacher 
or an English teacher or something. Or a math teacher. Or a math teacher. There Lord. is a game out there that you can fit into almost any lesson you had, and you're going to teach, you're going to make them learn stuff, and they yeah. won't even know they're learning. Yeah, so teachers you out know. there, uh, <laughs> send us send us mail at, at steven at thespiel.net or dave at thespiel.net. Um, our website is thespiel.net. Get that shameless plug <laughs> exactly. in there. Um, but... Yeah, feel free to, to send us questions like that because we would be happy to, to hook you up with, with good suggestions for just about any kind of classroom we can I can think of. We can come up with some good yep. good suggestions. Um, what didn't you like about it? Um, that's, it's tough. It was a really good game. It'll be hard to find. I would say, and maybe, maybe it's just because I haven't figured it out yet, but um, the... Mission cards in this are divided into three colors, mm. and I think by the end of the game, we really didn't see a use, a huge use for the. Um, they're divided into three colors because supposedly, um, like difficulty levels. Yeah, they're divided into three difficulty levels with um, how hard they are to actually complete the missions. Supposedly, the harder missions will will glean you neater, th- you know, neater little powers that you can do, um, but they're all worth five points. Mm-hmm. At the end of the game, it doesn't make any difference how difficult they were. They're worth five points, so it doesn't make any sense to me not to go for all the easy ones and just fulfill six, seven, eight, nine of them and just clean clock with those points rather than get yourself stuck on one or two hard ones. Yeah. So I'm not really sure. There are a couple neat benefits to those, but I'm not sure that I would ever go for those. Yeah. You know, That's, I mean, if somebody can prove to me that they would fulfill one or two of those and become so powerful that they'd be hard to beat, or be able I, to fulfill like uh, way more missions because right, they had because those, they but, had, but the game being so short in four turns. Well, that's uh, that dovetails nicely into my you uh, know, comment. Which, I, I would say that's my only yeah you know beef. Well, I mine is <laughs> I think the thing that I like about it is also the thing that I think is wrong with it in a way <laughs> in that it is so short that the rules the way they're written it does seem to have that problem of some it, it seems to shortcut short short circuit some of the strategy that you could right. have because you have you know easy medium and hard missions and because it's only four turns it doesn't seem to give you much incentive the way the game it, because it's so fast to go for those harder missions that you know it, it doesn't seem like the game would break at all if you said we're going to play six let's go turns six, or right. let's go eight I, the only thing I think would be different is just you'd score more points. Right. I, I don't really see how it would change and the game And he even says in the much. rules that he doesn't intend for the gold to be limited to the quantity that's in the Oh, the okay. You know, so you could have more money. Yeah. You could do stuff. And what would you say? I, I would say that there's no way you could get one of those hard missions completed until turn two or even three which means you're going to only reap the benefit of for that two, mission for at the max two. two rounds. Yeah. You know, which doesn't give you a time to like mix all these mm-hmm. combinations of, you know. Yeah, I mean missions. the only the only other balance issue I could see would be is if uh, this would just be a tweak of the rules if you said, you know, easy missions were worth 5, medium missions were worth 6 and hard missions were worth 7 because then you might be willing to invest exactly. more of your time in those because you're actually going to get more benefit, you know, I mean, yes they have more special abilities, but the game is over so fast that you're really not going to cash those in very much. Bingo. But if you get extra victory points to it too, you might then you're gonna, you right. might, you know, you get 3 of those hard ones and that's 21 points. 
that's more than four of it, the, the easy ones. You exactly. Know, that that, makes that it, would be a neat. That would be a good fix. I would think if that. it needs, it doesn't. I'm not saying it's yeah, broken. Exactly. But to me, you know, I like the fact that it's fast. But it does seem like it seems like there are strategies that are kind of dead ends. Having right. played it once, that if you tried to just go for the hard ones, I don't see how you could possibly win doing nope. that. And maybe that's just because I've only played it and once. If, if they were, you know, if they were face up and you could see which one you were picking, you know. You could maybe say, well, my strategy for this particular game is going to be to get this one and this one, but they're not. I mean, you're drawing them random, so you're going off, you know, trying for those hard one, trying for the hard missions, and not even sure what you're going to get in. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. There's definitely, but don't let that sway you. It's a, yeah, it's a fine, yeah. fine game. I guess the last thing, just uh, basically, would you, would you, are you looking forward to play it again? Absolutely. <laughs> Me too. I, I play definitely. it in a heartbeat, exactly as it is out of the box. You know, if people want to make their little home rules, that's great, but out of the box, it's, it's, it's an a awesome good game. game. Yeah. Backshelf Spotlight. This is a segment where we um, take some games from our, our dusty old shelves <laughs> and give them, a, give them some love and tell you why you should love them too. We, uh, we're going to try to pick some. Some games you might not have heard of, and also games that you may have heard of but may have either been intimidated or just never had the occasion to try because you just didn't think it was even worth trying. And right. we're going to be here to tell you why it's worth pulling off the shelf or worth going out and buying. Awesome. Um, so, uh, you want to hit it first here? Let's yeah, I'll, I'll start off with um, a game that I know that both of us have at least one copy of, probably <laughs> two copies of, and too. that's uh, Mahjong. Yep. Um, it's a classic um, Asian tile game. I think probably one of the oldest games, period, known to... I mean, I would say they date it with chess and go and um, backgammon. Yeah, forms some that, form, um, yeah. Probably started in China. In Asia uh, somewhere. In Asia sure. somewhere, and... It's basically a rummy style game where you're using tiles instead of what most of us um, we use cards in yeah, most of our yeah. rummy games. It was a card game before cards existed, yeah. basically. Exactly. It's a it's a classic game. It typically is played with four people, and it, it's just steeped, absolutely steeped in <laughs> in history and um, culture. The way that the game's set up, you know, designed um, to recreate the the Great Wall, you know, when you build your tiles, it's it's just a hoot to play because, you know, the way it feels. Yeah, you have the whole tactile element because you have these right. nice either resin or various materials, tiles that, um, you know, you turn them all upside down and everybody has to sort of move them around on yeah. the board and they make this they make great clicking, clicking yeah. you know, cacophonous kind of sound that just fills the room. You, know, <laughs> you, you can't, it is, it is not a quiet game. No. Um, but that's a good thing, and you you know you build your little wall, which is basically sort of it's the it's in essence like shuffling. Yep, that's the exactly. deck of cards is what yep. you're doing essentially. The way that they're shuffled, the way that you build the wall, the way that the tiles are dealt off the wall are all basically components that are designed to keep players from cheating because yeah. it's a it's a huge gambling game in Asia. Mm -hmm. Over here, most people are just playing it for fun. I think probably most of the gameplay. There's, I guess we should say there's two two styles of gameplay. Yes. There's the Asian gameplay and then there's the American gameplay, um, which is typically I don't want to stereotype anybody, but it's the <laughs> it's the 
of old, little old Jewish ladies <laughs> yeah. rules. Um, but the, it's the, just the truth. They, exactly. The primary <laughs> difference is the Asian um, rules have no jokers. Asian sets have no jokers, and the um, English sets have eight, I think, eight jokers. Yeah, yeah. Um, typically, we play the Asian the, way. I prefer the Asian style, yeah. having played both. Right. Um, I, to me, one of the coolest aspects is you ha it's basically a rummy game in that you're collecting sets of threes and runs yep. of three. Runs. Yep. You have different kinds of suits. Instead of spades and trumps, you have bamboo mm -hmm. and dots and, and ten, thousands. ten thousands, which are like characters yep. um, with the, the number symbols on them. Um, and uh, you can play very simply, just like you would sort of a gin rummy style game where you're just melding different combinations. It, it's like gin in that you have to lay it all down right. yep. at once or... Uh, you can you claim can, a, you can you, claim a discard and have claim, something yeah. face up, but you're basically trying to you know be the first one to go out with what is it four sets of three in a pair? Yes, something like yes, that. Yes, thirteen tiles. Does that be right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Four, four, fourteen tiles. Yeah. It's fourteen. Yeah, fourteen. <laughs> 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 Math is not working yeah. for us. Um, but I guess I misspoke when I said it's it's like gin. You can you get more points if you sort of play it gin style and are able right. to sort of sit back and then lay everything down at once and go mahjong, which is going out. Right. Um, but you can also cherry pick and lay down you yep. know things as you get them. Um, and you just the, get less points. The for fun part that. is it's like oh, what do you want to? I'm trying to figure out what to equivocate it with over here. Um, there are so many house rules over the hundreds and thousands of years that there are enough special hands that you could go instead of just getting any runs or any sets and and hurrying up and going out and calling mahjong you can get all these special hands like mahjong of the crazy monkey yes the wonderful 13 lanterns the buried, <laughs> buried treasure, treasure i the, mean the great snake exactly yeah. we we play with a list of 20 or 30 and that just scratches the surface you mm -hmm. know and it's every every little region I think that has has you know taken to this game has sort of added their, their own. Oh well, what if I had the nine of every suit, <laughs> one of every dragon, and the red five? Exactly. You know, and that suddenly becomes the the house rule for okay, if you get that, you get a zillion points. Right. Um, so it's it adds just this element of you get your tiles and you look at it and you just have some whacked out combination of tiles that instead of going for those three, just a quickie little yeah, you can um, go for this. Crazy monkey. They all they always <laughs> tempt you into doing it, and they all you almost just, always fail. That's the they're, that's they're the pretty hard, hard to get, but they're fun as hell to try yeah. to go for. If you ever get one, it's you know you mark that day on your calendar yep. that you you got that. You know, there's I, the picked by the golden cock is, exactly. is one it's, of the classic ones. Well, yeah, going mahjong with a five of dots. Yeah, <laughs> how awesome! I mean, who decided that? Yeah, <laughs> you know, but it's awesome and it's got a great name. So, yeah. Um, the um, thing people should be aware of with this game is, unfortunately, you, you have to have four people to play. Yeah. Um, what I think you should do is treat that as a damn good reason to find four people. Yeah. Because it's an awesome game. If you ever find yourself with four people and you're yeah. not sure what to do, give this a try. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's for a couple. I mean, it would be a great couples yep. game. You know, you, yep. All you need is one other couple if you have a... Exactly. A, you know, if you are a couple or whatever and you just got to find two other people and... You might struggle the first time you play it, but by the second time you go through it, I mean, it really is, the basics of the game is really just like Rummy, and you can all, don't get intimidated by all these special hands. You can yeah. add those on, right. or totally ignore them, and it's it's still a damn fun game, no matter 
whether you get into the and you can get, you can get into not. a set of mahjong for probably about thirty or forty bucks. You get crazy and go a couple hundred dollars. Yeah, because they vary in size. They have um, um, small <laughs> sets, medium sets, and man size and sets. man size sets. <laughs> you want to tell that story? <laughs> we were uh, in California. Was it were we mocked on the ship? Or no, it was in no. it was in the well, store. Well, we were mocked on the ship, yeah. but we kn- we know why. We now know why. We're in Los Angeles <laughs> and uh, looking for uh, uh, mahjong sets in Chinatown in Los Angeles, and um, the sets we were looking at were you know smaller type sets like the sets we the have. Sets both of us have. And these two uh, little old Asian ladies came up, and they were surprised that we even knew about mahjong at first. But when we told them that we had played and we were looking for an, a new nicer set. Uh, they started laughing, and we didn't understand why they were laughing at us. And they were like, "Oh, you play with women's set." <laughs> so apparently, the the larger tile set, which we had never actually seen, I think at that point before, no. which are maybe two thirds again as big, almost or like a small again. bar of soap. I yeah, mean, I mean, the, they're, the bigger sets are pretty substantial. <laughs> they are beefy. They're big. we were we were looking to buy the little sets, and they just thought that was hilarious. <laughs> Needless to say. We both now have big sets and large sets. Yeah. <laughs> and if you look around really hard, you can find some sets that are black. Yeah. And the black full-size sets are awesome. Yeah, yeah. Those are really, really cool. Um, there, there are several websites that I think we should mention in future episodes that sort of cover. It. You can buy anything and everything yeah. Mahjong-related online. Exactly. That are, that are really cool. Mahjong Maven. Yeah, dot com I think is the one that comes, website. comes to mind that you can buy a blue or purple or hot pink <laughs> you know whatever yeah. strikes your fancy yeah, if you need mahjong magnets or or uh, butter spreaders I mean you <laughs> yeah. name it you and can he's not get kidding <laughs> but I've dealt with them I've bought and uh, purchased several things from them and they're great so yeah. um, can't go wrong with with mahjong it's a classic and i think uh, the the thing to make clear too is this it's is not, not the stinking <laughs> Com- tile stacking computer game you right. use those they're using the traditional mahjong tiles that so many people think when you talk about mahjong that, it's that a, oh you just put them all out and you stack game. them and it, it, you know while that's a fun diversion on the computer there's no relation to yep. the fun that you can have playing uh, a real game of mahjong it's a it's the biggest gambling game that i can think of in in China and Taiwan, it, it, is, Taiwan it is the equivalent and, of our slot machines and our blackjack yeah, tables. or poker. I mean, or yeah, poker. Everybody that's, gets together and play right. play mahjong, you know, with a couple buddies when, uh, at night. You know, that's what they would get together. But and my do. neighbors from Taiwan mm-hmm. um, originally taught me this game, and they said their their Christmas was getting together on Christmas, and they would all give each other money in the morning. <laughs> they would open up the envelopes, they would all have money, and then they would all gamble it playing mahjong <laughs> the whole rest of the day that was christmas yep yep and it has i guess it kind of has that same social stigma that gambling games yep. do have because i've been to taiwan with one of my friends <laughs> and there were certain members of his family they were like oh you you shouldn't play that you know that's it'll be a corrupting influence on you and then there were other members of his family like sure we'll play and the first time i actually learned how to play like asian style mahjong i none of the people teaching me knew a lick of english oh. and Luck, I mean, but it's simple. It was actually simple enough that I actually I was like, oh, it's it's basically it rummy, and I was able to kind of get a. a I'm gonna get you your ass. Kate. Oh yeah, I lost a fair <laughs> amount of money that night, but I had fun, and and they kept the they kept the plum wine flowing. So that there you was go. fine by me. Um, I think the the cool segue from mahjong into uh, 
the other uh, game on the back shelf uh, spotlight would be if you like Mahjong but you don't have three people or you don't have four <laughs> people to play. Um, there's a great card game called Ming, right. spelled M H I N G, yep. um, that is basically a card game version of Mahjong that you can play with as few as I think two you can play with two people and as many as Maybe six. five or six. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure you can play with yeah. six. Um, people, I could actually go get the box if Dave wants to cover for me for <laughs> a minute. <laughs> um, yeah, it basically has um, the exact same feel of Mahjong, um, but in cards. Um, the neat thing that I found, it has a little score sheet. Instead of going for special hands, um, you go for parts of hands. So you could get maybe all of your cards are high, and they're all runs instead of sets. And you can kind of amalgamate these. Oh, good, you got the actual. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can actually combine. You can earn points. Um, you can have all your cards being high, all of them be this type of card, all being this. So it's a really neat way of scoring. That's, yes, that's unique to just this game that I've I've never seen. Yeah, it's if you know how to play mahjong, you'll automatically you, know how to play. You this. know how to play this game, or vice versa. Right. If you're intimidated by mahjong, this would be a great way to uh, sort of an introductory level to mahjong right. because the only basic difference is how you score at the end. The actual sort of right. play of the game Feels, is virtually identical. Yeah. And they've got like I'm looking at the scorecard right here, and they've got like. There's a series of things that are worth one credit. Some things are worth three credits, and some things are worth five credits and eight credits. But you can combine them all. You might have a sequence-only hand that's worth a, a credit. But you also might have an identical double sequence, which is worth three more credits. You could have two identical you know, uh, double sequence, which would be worth six credits plus the one credit for having only sequences. <laughs> Needless to say, it gets crazy, but it's a hoot. My head is spinning, but, <laughs> but it's... Uh, the idea is that you can score in multiple ways with the same kind of hand, which exactly. is something that's not true of mahjong. traditional mahjong, right, exactly. but adds a, a really interesting twist without changing the gameplay at all. Right. Um, definitely good. Uh, we've ac I've actually taken this on uh, uh, long trips, like on an airplane or something, yep. and played it, uh, you know, with just two people I've, on yep. little tray tables, and it actually plays just fine that way, which you could never do with normal Mahjong. No. And it's a game I don't think many people know about. It's made by a company. It may have changed publishers. Suntex International is the copy I have, and I would have to look online, and I may put this in the show notes, to see if that's the same publisher. I know it's still being published. It retails for about 20 bucks. Yep. Um, really nice cards, um, sort of Asian-themed yep. Asian cards, you, very you similar. Can, you can that. actually get just mahjong cards yes i mean and just play mahjong with cards instead of the tiles but i would recommend this i think it's a much better game um just because of the little tweaks they've done yes. you know to enhance you know yeah the gameplay I, I would go with this but you might have an easier time finding just the mahjong cards but it's well worth your effort to spend the extra time to hunt for this absolutely so so again just to re, uh, recap our two uh, back shelf spotlight games of the week were mahjong and ming and ming both <laughs> both great asian style rummy based games exactly. give them a get you a little little sake and sit down for the evening with these two and you can't go wrong yeah you'll be you'll be happy <laughs> order order a little lo mein and yeah exactly go to town which i remember doing remember when we ordered um, yes <laughs> um 
care or um, delivery. Yes, Oriental yeah. delivery. He came to the door. His jaw all, dropped. Yeah, we're all sitting around playing mahjong. He just couldn't. He even said, "You know it. that?" He still remembers that to this day. We ordered from him all the time. He's like, "Oh, you still play mahjong?" I'm like, "Yeah, hell yeah, we play mahjong." And you got to have the food and the sake to put you in the mood. It's yeah, great. definitely. Truckloads of goober. On to the next segment, which has the best name of any segment ever on any dun, podcast. Dun, dun. Truckloads <laughs> of Goober. goober. <laughs> uh, Dave? So my truckloads of Goober for this week is I just purchased a new game, um, Britannia, uh, mm-hmm. which is a fantasy flight thing. It's a remake of an old Avalon Hill thing. And it's actually really affordable, 40 bucks. Um, and there's not there's actually a game board and tons and tons of little cardboard counters. I mean, bazillions of them. <laughs> it took me like 40 minutes to pop the damn things out of the out of their little whatever the heck you call those sprues things. The sprues, or... right? So for this week, that wins for surprise buttloads of goober. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Just to reiterate, truckloads of goober in Dave speak <laughs> <laughs> means games that we're going to highlight games that have uh, cool components or lots or of lots components. Of any game in which the, the amount of stuff that comes with a game really impacts how much you enjoy the game. Right, the quantity or the quality of the stuff. Because um, there are plenty of games out there that they may not necessarily be the most awesome game in the world, but they, co- they come out of your closet time and again because <laughs> you just enjoy seeing them set up, you enjoy manipulating the cool pieces. That's definitely a factor in enjoying a game, and I think it often gets overlooked by, by a lot of oh, people. yeah, definitely. And uh, so, so every week we're going we're gonna to bring up a game uh, that, that you might want to check out for that very reason. So while, while this one didn't have any awesome, unique component that just had my jaw drop... <laughs> Volume, just, yeah, just a quantity of little cardboard army counters. Are there is there like artwork on the counters, or is it it doesn't just say like army on it? Does no, no, it? no. There's, there's basically like each. each. Um, there's I'm going to say twenty or so um, nations represented in this game, mm-hmm. and so each little piece is represents a unit of that oh, okay. nation, and then they have little um, what do you want to call it? Just little pictures on there. Um, to represent, to the represent, kinds yeah. Of, okay. But there were there was tons of them. Needless to say, I had to go through a hell of a lot of plastic bags <laughs> to get those separated into the point to where you can actually play the game without an hour of setup. <laughs> yeah. You know. But uh, so that's my truckloads of goober for this episode. <laughs> I think that's a good one. I'm looking forward to that one. Although it sounds like we're going to have to have a half a day to yeah, uh, I, devote to it. I think it might be a long game, but. Hopefully it'll be worth it. Yeah. <laughs> Game links. I think we would be remiss with uh, with just starting our podcast here in episode two. We didn't we didn't uh, have this segment in, in episode one. I don't think we can actually start it out without using BoardGameGeek.com right. as, as the first on the list. Anybody who is listening to this podcast and is even remotely interested in game is probably going, well, duh, duh. I already know about yeah. that. But the, for the people who are listening to this because they want to learn about games and don't know about um, this whole world of board games that we hopefully are kind of turning you on to, BoardGameGeek.com should be your first stop. Absolutely. Um, it is just the omnibus of... <laughs> of board games 
ever created. I think their their goal is to sort of become a compilation, an encyclopedia, encyclopedia of all the games that are out there, and it's it's actually user driven, which is really right. cool. So you can um, register; it's free you to can, register, yeah. but you can enter in games. If you look on their site and you don't find a game a that game you that own, you can add it to the database. Likewise, you can search by theme by title, by designer, and there are just literally thousands and thousands of yeah, board games listed on the site. amazing. And not for every game also has where people have discussed the game. They're discussing the rules. They're discussing problems, um, problems that they've had with it. Um, just everything you could possibly discuss about that game. And it's... I don't think there is a better place to go. Yeah, I mean, to just to for, get information for res- for just pure resource, resource yeah. and for fun. They have a really active online community. There's a huge picture gallery. I guess where I find it even more, even additionally useful is not just with older games, but games that are about to come out, or because we Americans here are stuck waiting for some of these European games to come out. Um, they'll have listings for these German games that a lot of times production cycle is such that they come out in Germany a year ahead of time. Right. But you can look them up on Board Game Geek, like uh, Rum and Pirates is a good example. Right, exactly. Um, you can look that up and you can see pictures of the board game. So you can learn about the game. It's sort of try before you buy. You can't actually play it, but you can learn a heck of a lot about the game before you plop down cent one exactly. on the game. Um, and there's... I just encourage you to go out and check it out. There's more stuff going on there than I can possibly mention uh, yeah, in one the, segment. The number of games you could, I mean, where else can you go where you can, I mean, you could, what's, what's the name of that game? Up to your ass in Crocodiles? Yeah, or, yeah. I mean, <laughs> who would have thought that there was a game called, you know. Or up, Alligators, Up to Your Ass. Up, up, up to, to My you, Ass and Alligators. Up to My Ass and Alligators, <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, most people have never and will never yeah. have ever heard of that game. But if you go to BoardGameGeek.com, You'll be first among equals. <laughs> There's other people there that have not only heard of it, but uh, could tell you all about it too. So I think it serves both communities: right. newbies who don't know anything about games, or people who are really into them. And they ha- they also have a really a really neat thing that uh, like a board game trading thing. Yeah, they have users that you know they've purchased a game, they've played it once or twice, and maybe didn't think it was the best thing, and they have something that they're looking for, and they say, hey. I've got this game, and I'm looking for this game. And a lot of times, they're games that there's no other way that you're going to get them. Yeah. yeah. Period. And I just think that's really neat. Yeah, that's kind of like an online swap meet kind yeah. of thing with people who are all into games, which that's very cool. Um, so that's that's our web pick of the week is BoardGameGeek.com. If you haven't been there, go. We'll include it in the show notes, so you can look for the link on our website, which is cool. thespiel.net. Game links. Last but not least, uh, our last segment is the Game Sommelier or Right Game, Wrong Crowd. <laughs> so each week we're gonna we're gonna kick this off. This week, um, we we pride ourselves on being able to match up the right type of game with the right type of crowd. I think we're both uniquely situated and. You can't throw any possible sort of challenge at either one of us that we aren't going to be able to come back and list at least five games that will fit. I'm fit. still going to try, though. <laughs> so so for next episode, Dave is going to give me a challenge. He's going to lay down the gauntlet and, and give me a – just as a for instance, he could say, you know, 
you have to pick the best five games to play with your spouse right. or something like that. And then next week I'm going to come back and I'm going to list off my five and he has to give me the thumbs up or the thumbs down as to whether I've done my job as the game sommelier. So uh, without further ado, Dave, you got to put me on the spot so here's, here. That's the glove hitting the yes. floor. <laughs> I'm ready. Hit okay. me. Okay. So I'm going to have you try and find games that let's say your hardcore gaming buddies come over. Okay. Unfortunately, one of them couldn't find a babysitter. They brought their eight-year-old son or daughter with them. Okay. Um, you've all got together. You want to play these games, but now you're stuck with you can't just um, take the kid and <laughs> shove them over in the other room. Right. <laughs> you have to include them, but you still want games that you're going to enjoy playing also. No, no yeah. breaking out the candy land. Exactly. They're, that's not going to happen. So what are you going to do in that sense? Okay. Well, you're, you're start, you, you set the bar high to start out with. But and I, that happens more often oh, than man. we, you know. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're in the mood to play some heinously ugly big death game, and unfortunately you have to introduce a player that's not going to be able to do that. Okay. So... All right. Well, I'm up for the challenge, cool. and you'll have to you'll have to come back next week and and stay tuned for the game sommelier. Good luck. And, I'm really interested in hearing what you come up yeah, with. And shoot me down <laughs> when you say you are a crazy bastard. That is no way that's going to work. Exactly. Um, so I think I think we've actually done it, Dave. I think we've cool. made it to the end of episode two Woo-hoo. here of the Spiel. Um, There's no blood. Cool. No blood. Um, <laughs> We'll, we'll get better, and I think we're getting better. And uh, write yeah. in, email us at um, either Stephen at thespiel.net or Dave at thespiel.net, and we're happy to answer any rules questions or any kind of game-related question that you have. Uh, hope you're enjoying listening. We're enjoying making, yep. <laughs> having fun doing it. And, uh, it's been fun. Looking forward to number three. Look, look for us at uh, thespiel.net. And uh, without further ado, this has been Episode 2 of The Spiel.